0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's time for football.
1: Salah.
2: Escape Cancel. That's oh, brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational.
0: Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9.
2: Hello, and welcome to Just for Kicks with myself, Cam Ruslan, and our three pundits this week are, ah, there's the legendary Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. Hello, and Gogolin. Hi, good to be back again. Uh, good to have you back finally. Yeah, well,
3: just to say, ever since I've been back, Villa have lost, so <laughs> you won't be seeing me for the next three games. You did jinx it. <laughs> I knew it. All right, uh, so I'm <laughs> away for next three weeks, folks. Try
2: to keep the fan mail down. Okay. And we have a special guest, the return of. He's been on the show a few times and we're very excited to have him back. He's a defender with KL City. He is Giancarlo Galafuccio.
4: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me back.
2: Always a pleasure. And uh, this week we're going to be looking at all of the European matches, the Champions League, the Europa and the Europa Conference, as well as looking at the um, uh, Premier League. And perhaps touching on some of the aspects of discipline on the pitch in the Malaysian game. Hey, John, Gigi. Uh, (laughs) A little later. Um, So let's let's begin with, first of all, Gigi, I want to start with you. uh, Because looking at the Champions League, Europa and Conference, this could be a stellar season for Italian clubs uh i know your team napoli won the scudetto and they play a style of football which i don't personally associate with the italian game and i and i'm wondering are we witnessing a renaissance of the italian game a reimagining a rebirth of some sort
4: i i think so i personally think so and uh, obviously as a napolitan my whole family was born and raised there i'm the only one from sydney so i'm the one out the odd one out but um I obviously have a bias and I think it started uh, with Napoli and how they've played the last couple of years. But I think that uh, teams are starting to attack more, trying to be, they press higher. They go man for man when they press. And I've never, I've never seen that before. Italy's never been, the Serie has never been known for that. You know, um, obviously growing up and watching the Serie A and its prime when I was younger. It was always about the discipline of the defence. That was the pride and joy, you know. When we would go to the piazza after the game and we would all talk, it would be about the structure. It would be about killing off the game, being smart, uh, being street smart on the field, you know. And uh, now it seems to be a completely different conversation. It's, you know, like um, Napoli when they versus Liverpool in the Champions League. And they're winning and they just continue to go and go and go and go. These are things that have never been how you describe Italian football. So I think definitely there's been a change. And uh, I'm here for it. I'm so happy that it's working. And uh, I think it's, going, it's bringing more fans, more viewership, and hopefully more European success.
2: Oh. What's what's the long ball in Italian? Is there a phrase for that?
0: <laughs> pa- Paolo Lungo, but I don't know. Oh, there is no know. thing, is there? <laughs> <No> <laughs> yeah, translation. So. Yeah, uh,
2: so. Well, let, let's have a look at some of the matches. Bob, let's start with uh, much heralded Man. Oh, well, Real Madrid versus Manchester City. I watched that and I was thinking at first, I was thinking, oh God, is Pep Guardiola going to blow this again? But by the end, I was thinking, I think Real Madrid are going to be really angry that they missed an opportunity here.
1: Well, as you could look at it from uh, both sides, I suppose. Um, it wasn't electrifying. I think it was uh, an absorbing game. I think I'd probably use that word for it. But I think it's set up perfectly for an absolute cracker next week. It's like two heavyweights fighting the first few rounds, just jabbing each other, feeling their way around the ring. Um, and they exchanged. Uh, two potentially knockout punches, the the two goals, of course, are just about as good as each other, uh, absolute rockets. Um, and it was important for City to get that back, um, the Kevin De Bruyne goal, uh, when uh, Real Madrid were really beginning to dominate. So psychologically very important for City. And the concession of the Real Madrid goal was potentially a a bitter blow for City because it came during a period of City dominance. I mean, City had the ball. It was like an English Premier League game. At one time, City were up to 75% possession and they're playing Real Madrid in the Bernabeu. You know, incredible. But as uh, Antonio Rudiger said afterwards in the interview, he said they they had the ball, but they didn't have the threat. Mm. And I think that was the key. They never really look like scoring. Courtois, I think, he only had to make about one, one decent save, and uh, then Real Madrid turned uh, the tables on City in the second half to some extent. And uh, it was up to Edison to bring off an absolutely stupendous save right near the end, which could have been uh, could have been the clincher. Um, so all to play for a fascinating uh, contest lined up for next week. But I I will say this, that City weren't actually as impressive this year as they were last year when they threw it away, all in the last two minutes plus several minutes of extra added time. So you just never know, never know what's going to happen with Real Madrid. Yeah, well,
2: we will look forward to the repeat of that. Uh, back in Manchester on the return leg, Gigi, two Italian clubs um, playing a kind of. I, it didn't look Italian. I mean, maybe I'm just yeah. stuck in cliches.
4: No, and and I I, I apologize because I feel like I'm saying the same rhetoric, like, but it's just because I I guess I'm I'm proud because most of my adult life that was the reason why. When I would go to school and say, "Hey, did you guys watch the Sampdoria game?" They'd say, "That's the most boring football ever." I want to watch Man United, <laughs> Southampton. So I'm actually I'm proud that uh, to watch these games. Obviously, it was incredible. The derby, like perfectly lined up, and I just uh, and I thought Inter, like you said, I don't think they they killed the morale, but the game continued to go at a good pace. But I'm just I'm just happy to see this kind of football, and I'm happy to see in this far stage in the Champions League that these teams are are back, you know, that these teams, they're the teams we're talking about again. And once again, no disrespect to the England dominance that has been the last couple of years and La La Liga. But it's just, I'm just so grateful to see these Serie A clubs coming back and playing this beautiful style of football. But I think the second leg is going to be super-duper exciting, obviously. and the the city I saw videos from some of my cousins that were in Milan and the whole city is erupting and alive so it's going to be a very very interesting second leg. Mm. I, th-
3: I think from that uh, from a point of view of this Milan derby, I think Inter is 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 in, is a is a different animal all of a all of a sudden. You know, they 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 have this complex over AC Milan that they have uh, dom- the dominance that they have now. You know, for them to win that game, I read the I was reading the. Review of that game, and it was you know it it was it was not a stretch for Milan to lose that they they it's 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 like a foregone conclusion for them. That, this is my point. So I, I, it was, I mean, when I was growing up, it was always AC Milan, right? The Silvio Bolasconi yeah. right? And you know, you know, the modern money spends. You know, I grew up watching Maldini. You know, that they, that they, the that yeah. calcio, calcio. What, what 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 is it called? Calcio was
4: it? Not? The, um,
3: yeah, yeah, Catenaccio. Catenaccio is the lockup. Yeah. 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 But you know that whole uh, that whole watching Maldini and you know Marie all that all these guys come up. Mm. Was, that was why we used to have on the on a regular basis. Torino was there, you know, Parma and all the big names then. Sampdoria, Sampdoria got relegated, right?
4: Yeah, officially.
3: Yeah, yeah officially. <laughs> so you know these were all big teams back then, day.
2: They... Well, uh, we've we've kind of run out of time here, but we've used it all up on sure. Champions League. But no, I want to ask quickly: having watched the first leg, where do you guys think is? who's going to emerge victorious from these? Uh, Bob, who do you think? Do you think that Real Madrid will do a Real Madrid?
1: Uh, I think it's highly possible. Yeah. Yeah. I'd come down on the side of Real Madrid. And uh, Gigi? Yeah, unfortunately, Real Madrid.
3: Oh, okay. And Gogolin? No, I think there's a steal about uh, City this year and Pep has stopped tinkering as much. He knows his team. He has that team set out. That's the team that plays in week in, week out, I think bar one or two uh, defensive um, forced by injury uh, choices. But otherwise, he, I think he's learned his uh, thing. But you're right. Uh, Real Madrid, you can never count out Real Madrid. They are the champions of the Champions League. You know, they are masters and, you know, they, they really needed to score one goal, technically. Mm-hmm. So it comes yeah. back to all square again.
2: Well, meanwhile, apologies to fans of uh, Juventus Sevilla. Uh one one there Roma. I mean I'm sure we're gonna talk about Jose Mourinho again one day. Uh one nil against Bayer and Gigi, Do you see them going through?
4: Uh yes, I do. And yeah. uh I think like Mourinho is uh for the right in the in the Roma question, yes, in Juventus. To be honest, it's the one Serie A team I don't like. So I don't mind what happens with them. <laughs> But <laughs> that's in my blood, sorry. But uh, Roma, I, I think so. And Mourinho is a cup specialist. So I think they go through.
2: And in the Europa Conference, West Ham two, IZ Alkmaar one, Fiorentina one, FC Basel two. So we'll see what happens there. But in a moment, we're going to come back. And that West
3: Ham was a good comeback, though. They were 1 0 down at half time, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that, that they were very good actually. But in a moment, come back. We're going to look at the bottom of the Premier League here on uh, Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine.
0: More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM eighty nine point nine. Just for Kicks on BFM eighty nine point nine.
2: And we're back on Just for Kicks with Bob Goglin and Gigi, and uh, now we're looking at uh, the Monday matches in the Premier League, which I think were the craziest uh, matches I've ever seen. How many goals? My maths can't actually calculate them. It was all about the clubs at the bottom. Gogolin, I I've got to start with this one. Brighton one, Everton five. Uh, you've been dished. I don't know. It was this was Barcelona. I don't know this counter-attacking team. Never seen them before.
3: Same players. Incredible. I know. I especially the the run that Brighton's been. You know, this fixture as an Everton fan, you would look at it with trepidation. And I was with the Leeds fan uh, yesterday at the gym, and he is like, you know, he woke up on Monday and looked at those results and he was shaking. said, Who would have thought Everton is going to go to Brighton away from home and hit five goals? So, yeah, I think if you're a Leeds fan, this is uh, this is really, really bad for you. I think hey, Everton, uh, I, I mean, the, the, Everton would do one of these results. I just thought I expected it right after Daesh came on, I didn't expect it now. You Know and this is going to give them a huge bounce. I don't know what the remaining fixtures are for Everton, but I know some one of the teams has got a really bad fixture list. I don't know it's City
1: this team. weekend.
3: I think one of the other two oh, games my
2: word. that's Manchester City, is it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my word. City made.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, but you can you can City might have a European hangover, so you can always count on that. Mm.
2: Yeah, hey, uh, Gigi, in on previous times, you've been on the show we've ascertained that you've been in relegation dogfights you've been in promotion fights you've been you've, you've had every single possible permutation have you been in a situation though where a struggling team has had a new suddenly had a new manager and the same set of players have suddenly been transformed into Everton winning 5-1 against Brighton
4: no I I guess I can say fortunately I haven't been in that position but obviously I know uh, players that have and there's There's obviously everybody who watches football can see that there's an immediate impact when a new coach comes in, but it's, it's not so much, I would say it's 50% the fact that the coach has new tactics, but it's mainly, and you know, like a new style and new playing style, but it's mainly the fact that even as a player, you feel as though you have a clean slate. So that completely wipes over the change room the kind of looming feel you have in the change room of all the errors that you've made or that this guy's done a mistake and we've lost this game. When a new coach comes in, it kind of feels like, well, he doesn't know and we start again. And if you manage to get a win like that, it can feel like, hey, oh, everything's, we've turned the corner. This guy's Mm -hmm. come in and now we are we are good players. We are going to play well. We are going to attack. So a win like that is humongous for the morale of a change
2: room. Presumably there is a honeymoon period, though. I mean, this is like a two-match thing we're talking about.
4: Yeah, it it doesn't last forever. But uh, how many games, roughly, are there left?
2: Uh, uh, Bob Holmes, how many games are there left?
1: (laughs) Uh, Three. Three. But the the, the interesting thing about this is that Daesh had that uh, new manager bounce, When he first came and it lasted for about three games and then they went back to same old Everton and Everton fans were beginning to get a bit disgruntled and wondering, uh, you know, what he was doing with the team, some of the team selections they queried and they looked, they were almost resigned to going down. And then suddenly this came out of the blue that that's the remarkable thing. It didn't follow the usual pattern of of a manager coming in.
2: But also, I mean, just to, to belabor the point, that Brighton had a long shot at getting into Europe. Uh, and it, they're pretty much, otherwise really their season's over. Uh, I mean, Gogland. don't you think that they're going to be, they, they are quite literally on the beach in Brighton. Um, <laughs> yeah, they literally are, actually. <laughs> yeah.
3: So, but, I mean, you know, foot off the pedal. No, they still got the Europa. They, they, got, they are in big contention for Europe. They, they're going to finish, gonna, they are in the form of their life in the tail end of the season. This is why that, that scoreline is. I could not accept that scoreline to be batted 5 1 at home by a relegation candidate. I mean, if you're going to lose, if you're losing at home, you lose 1 0 or something. But 5 yeah. 1 at home, especially on the form that you're in and you're battled, like, fighting for a Europa, please.
2: Yeah. And Gogolan, as an Aston Villa fi- fan, finds himself in the unusual situation where it doesn't actually threaten his team to, to go down to relegation. <laughs> um, uh, but it does, on the other hand, with Bob Holmes and his Nottingham Forest. <laughs> but Nottingham Forest, uh, one, four, three against um fellow relegation. Uh, I'm, I'm getting this right, am I? <laughs> so my yes, 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 yes. Candidates. Yeah, candidates, uh, Southampton. And it was a hell of a match. And it, I mean, Bob, I felt sorry for you. And extra time at the end must have been terrifying.
1: Well, it was. And you know what? I recorded it. And I knew the result, <laughs> and it was still terrifying. I mean, <laughs> I mean it was like that. It, I think if if any of you saw it, you will understand. Um, uh, Gigi's already given his sympathies. Um, I mean, I I didn't think the referee was ever going to blow the final whistle. And I kept looking at the uh, my screen. Yes, yes, we did want win. It's all over, it's all over, you know, because it really did look as if they were going to concede again after the penalty. 4-3 um, wasn't, um, having said that, 4-3 I don't think accurately reflected the game. It was a bit more comfortable than that until the ending. Uh, they, I mean, when they went 4-1 uh, four, four up, didn't they? At one point, I think it was 4-1 up then it looked like that's it, you know, you can relax. But, um, no, Southampton, to their credit, uh, hung on. But they're, they're pretty well doomed now. I think it's, uh, mm. mathematically they're not, but uh, they basically need snookers to um, right. to survive, don't they? Well, mm.
3: well, they need to win every game, the last three games, and then hope that one of the top two loses their
1: one. Point deductions or something.
3: No, no, they, they, need, they need one of the others to... to Drop points, but they need to win all their games, which is you know. But uh, so uh, Nottingham
2: Forest are now three points above the relegation zone in 16th with 33 points, uh, and then you have Everton below them on 32. Above them is West Ham, 37. They must be that safe. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bob, do you do you do you see Forest?
1: Do you think they're going to do it? I'm not so sure because they've got a tough uh, program. And they've got the worst goal uh, difference in the league. So if it if they end up level on points with somebody, it's uh, Forrest that will go down and not the other team. So that's really, you've got to almost deduct a point from uh, Forrest's tally, just in case it does come down to level on points, which it may do. Um, I don't think this is going to be decided until the last day of the season. Um I- I, I, I really don't. I, I, they're all capable of of something. As That Everton result, that really made you realize that anything is possible in this game.
2: So, Gigi, at the beginning of the season, Nottingham Forest brought in, I think it was about 37 new players. 29. Um, I was saying 37 <laughs> as a joke. You're serious.
1: It's 29. Yeah. <laughs> no, 20, uh,
4: 22
1: plus uh, seven in, uh, in the January window. Oh, my uh, gosh, man. I, my it, gosh.
2: Well, have you been in a situation like that? And how long do you think it would take? It's now the end of the season to for all these people to become familiar with each other. In fact, do they need to become familiar with each other? Just they're professional footballers; they know they know where the ball's supposed to go and everything.
4: Um, I was at Spurs when they sold Bale, and then Villash Boas went on a spending spree, and that was not thirty-seven players, but it was about seven, and all quality players: Christian Eriksen, Paulinho. Lamela and all of them other than Ericsson didn't really work. And it's because it completely disrupts everything. And you need time. Uh I don't I've always been a, a fan that if you if you have a long-term project, you need to selectively choose your signings in little bundles. I don't think it's good. Even like in on a on a game, I don't think it's good to make all the substitutions at once. I think it disrupts just like it disrupts the play, it disrupts the harmony of the change room. So when I saw Forrest do that, I already thought that it was going to make the situation very, very tough. Um, but Bob, mate, for you, I have all my fingers and toes crossed because I want them to stay up so bad.
1: <laughs> and I they appreciate so bad, that, Gigi. So. Uh,
2: all right. Well, Gogolin. Uh Meanwhile, uh Fulham five, Leicester three. Uh Leicester kind of I don't know, too good to go down, but it's looking pretty bad now. They are eighteenth with 30 points, level with Leeds, same number of games played. Uh they still can pull away. There were flashes of good in this match, but Fulham were Fulham were, were they were like the best team in West London.
3: <laughs> yeah, they are the best in the West London. <laughs> no, but again, it's this. This is going to go down to the wire, like Bob said. It, it's it's in and out, in and out. It's ups and downs. It's going to be. It's it's not. It's not for the faint-hearted. If you're if you're a Forest, Leeds, Everton, and Leicester fan, let's put it this way, because it's going to be highs and lows. I don't know what the Leicester. I I don't know what the remaining fixture is but I remember one of them having a really tough one. I'm not sure which is it, but I would, uh, I will but- look it up.
2: Uh, Bob Holmes jumps in at this point to
1: tell us <laughs> which one which one has the well, worst who, who rep-
3: is, who's Forrest playing Forrest uh, what are the remaining Forrest Forrest
1: have got Chelsea away Easy uh, this <laughs> weekend yeah
4: <laughs> Arsenal
1: <laughs> then Arsenal at home That's one point and then Crystal Palace away. Mm, but less Leic- yeah. I mean you could you can argue I mean Leicester they've got Liverpool at home, uh Newcastle away. And West Ham at home.
3: Yeah, I think Leicester's nice. got a tough one. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's mm. Bob, I think
3: Leeds you... are playing Newcastle also, right?
1: Uh, Leeds are playing Newcastle this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Bob, Bob how did you feel about
2: um, Leicester? I, I am consistently kind of um, amazed. they got
3: good players. And... Like, oh no, they've that's... got a good manager now in Dino Smith. Dean Smith will keep them up. You know, he knows how to, he knows the relegation battle. Yeah, but he's he, taking, I mean, he's leaving it. Yeah, late. but he'll leave it in late. Yes,
1: I know. They're fully well, the I was alarmed by the comments, actually, um, after the game. Madison, uh, who's probably their best player, said, we weren't hungry enough for it. Well, if you're fighting for your survival and you're not hungry, there's something wrong. And then Jay, uh, Jamie Vardy, who missed a penalty mm. in that game, he said that this, if Leicester stay up, it'll be better than when they won the title, as five thousand to one outsiders. Now, are they are they uh, saying they've given up? I mean, you could get um, uh, odds of two to one on uh, Leicester probably staying up now, not five thousand. I mean they're not they're not that bad I mean like I've mentioned Forest goal difference they they could well pip Forest they could end up on the same number of points and Leicester survive and Forest go down so they but they they're talking as if they're down and I think yeah. this probably affected them because that 5-3 flattered them you know it was 5-1 mm. and they got two two late goals which were never going to be enough and that made the score look a bit more respectable, but it was a thrashing.
2: Hey, uh, and Gigi, let's uh, let's spare a thought for Fulham. We don't really mention Fulham enough, but the beginning of this season, I think everybody thought they were going to go down, but they've been very good. And uh, how how have they survived? What is it that they do?
4: Well, they don't concede as much as the other ones, so that's problem number one. You know, I think when you're It's crazy in the Premier League that you can say like teams like Nottingham and Leeds and Fulham staying in the league is job well done, and that's that's the power of the Premier League because they're all these teams. There's so many teams in there that are powerhouses with a lot of finance and a lot of fans. But in the end, like I'm staring at the relegation and these teams have conceded an astronomical number of goals. And that's problem number one. It's problem number one. And I just feel like even if you're not necessarily a team that's playing the best football, you need to try to not have these games that completely flatten you. And so, the scores are outrageous. And of course, that's because of the stress that's coming down to the wire because of the last couple of games. But some of these teams, That have just floated above it, like even like West Ham, who West Ham have have performed poorly in comparison to how good they were last season. It's not having those run, those patches where you just concede way too many goals.
2: That's because the defender is the most important person.
4: (laughs) Clearly (laughs) biased, sorry.
2: (laughs) You don't even see the top half of the pitch, do you? It's
4: just, <laughs> no. So,
2: What are those no. people? Fancy Dan's up there. Um, OK, very quickly, then uh, at, I want I want you guys to decide who's going to go down. I guess we're saying Southampton are doomed, but uh, Leeds and Leicester are in there with 30 points. we got above them Everton, 32 and Nottingham Forest, 33. Uh, Gigi, who do you think is going to go down?
4: For me, it's Southampton, Leeds, and Everton. Uh I think Forest will stay up and I think Leicester will be fine. So I think okay. Everton, I think it's okay. their time.
3: And Goglen? Uh for me it's Southampton. Sorry, mate, Forest and Leeds. Oh. Uh,
2: and uh the eternally optimistic Bob Holmes.
1: Well, no. uh, if I'm eternally optimistic, I've got to say Forest won't go down, haven't I? So I'll say uh, Southampton, uh Leicester and Leeds. Right.
2: I don't think we can really take uh, Bob Holmes's uh, one. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take me seriously. No, don't take me seriously. (laughs) Okay. In a moment, we're going to come back. We're going to look forward to the matches coming up over the weekend here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9.
0: More football when we come back. Just for Kicks BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9.
2: Welcome back to Just for Kicks with Bob Holmes, Goglin and Gigi uh, Giancarlo Galafuccio. And now we look forward to the matches coming up over the weekend. And, Goglan, it's it's free-scoring uh, Everton versus Manchester City. Sean Johan cruyff Deich, uh is going to score a whole lot of goals at Man City, surely.
3: Again, like I alluded earlier, the European hangover is their best bet at City for Everton right now. You know, City might have their eyes on the prize with the Champions League and all that, but this is a city side that is purring. I mean, coming into its own right at the time. And I was telling people the other day, the difference between the Arsenal side and the city side is that most of the city guys here have, have won the have won the premiership before. So it's the mental state of winning, right? So they will mm. know what to do and all that. And Pep is the master at that. So it's going to be a tough game. I, I don't think city will steamroll this. Yes. I know it's city coming to town, but it it will be a very tight one this one.
2: But seriously, Bob, uh, actually, uh,
1: You know, I think that if
2: if we have the counter-attacking football that that Everton showed the other day, they could actually get something maybe against Man City.
1: They could, uh, definitely. Um, I think that uh, Pep will uh, mix and match his players. He's got that luxury. I mean, you can just imagine uh, even Haaland probably won't start. But, I mean, who who would he replace him with? Well, uh, Julian Alvarez, a World Cup winner with Argentina. If you took off Bernardo Silva, bring on Riyad Mahrez. I mean, um, there's uh, if you took off Jack Grealish, gave him a rest, bring on Phil Foden. There's not a lot of difference, and this is <laughs> this is the the secret, isn't it? Yeah. They've got depth. They've got world class players on the bench, and I think if push came to shove, if Pep was forced to choose between the title and the champions league he would go for the champions league not mm. that he's going to give up on this on this at all but they have the luxury they can lose a match and still win the title city that's the position they've got themselves into yeah so uh i think he will change a few key players and will probably still win i mean the those players i've just mentioned coming on as as reserves if you like uh, they're still far superior to Everton, but Everton will be fired up by that five-one win, and they'll have the crowd behind them. So it won't be easy for City.
2: They they do have a pretty impressive B team. It has to be said.
4: Uh, it's an A. It's an A team and an A team. That's that's <laughs> there is no B.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, GG. It's going to be Arsenal against Brighton. Uh, what what do you think about what have you felt about Arsenal this season? They they've come so close. They're not going to win, so but but yeah. I mean they're a real improvement. They they what you how do you feel about them?
4: Uh, it's you know a, a bit of a shame. Uh, I feel like the the team and how they bonded, how they started playing, and the run that they did was incredible. And to the point where they were so far ahead at one point, but it's just it's just a shame to see where it is now, you know. And I know that obviously if I can feel that, then they definitely feel that in their change room. And I just, I'm impressed. I'm happy. You know, I probably shouldn't say that because I, I used to be a Spurs. But I'm happy to see them back and playing good football and and doing well. But I'm, uh, I am. I think every single gunner will say that they are. Even though this is an incredible season, it's going to be viewed with its disappointment because of what they lost. Oh, it's a failure. It's a failure. Is what you're Not saying. a failure. Not a failure. But. It's definitely bittersweet because of the position that they were in.
2: Um, okay, and uh, Gogolin uh, against Brighton, how do you think they're going to fare? Can they they pick up their points? Can Can Brighton dust
3: themselves down? Again, like I think this season is not over yet, and from where they are coming from last season, it's it's you know, I, I, it's huge it's a, it's improvement. Weird. Yeah, huge improvement, right? So if you're a, you're a fan, you would take it. Yes, their the hopes got higher. Uh, and it's still not over yet. Let's put it this way. There's still going to be twists and turns. This is the Premier League after all. So there will be twists and turns. But whatever it said, it's, it's been a huge season for them. And they all should be very, very happy with what uh, he's done with the team. But, uh, they, but he had, they had
4: one hand on it. Well, not really. I don't
3: them. think so, though. You know, because like I said, it's a long season. And I was saying this before. When the final stretch comes on, it's, it's, the, it's the medal Alex Ferguson had always said this before with his teams. You know, when they had won it once, winning is contagious, and they knew how. They, in that final stretch, come end of March, April it's when it, they start to shiver. And true enough. So, Gogolin, sometimes
2: I think you're saying that Arsenal are going to win this uh, league, and then sometimes <laughs> I think you're saying Man City are going.
3: I, I, which one is it? Take, choose one. Well, no, I, 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 I again. I think they've had a really great season, so I really think every Arsenal fan should be really proud of where Blatter has taken this. Year. So who's going to win? <laughs> well, I think City will win it because of the the right. experience of winning it before. Okay, so perhaps- it will be close. That's all I'm saying. Right.
2: Okay, yeah. but in the end, City win. It's like watching a James Bond movie. In the, <laughs> end, in the end, James Bond wins. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, meanwhile, though, Bob Holmes, Manchester United versus Wolves and. Um, I'm going to say we don't we don't talk much about Wolves, and there might be a reason for that. So let's talk about Manchester United. <laughs> uh, are they going to hold on to fourth spot? And their season at the end is becoming a bit sticky?
1: It is. Um, I mean, we've sung their praises, uh, uh, particularly the manager, but they've lost the last two games. And uh, if they were to lose to Wolves, uh, that would be the first time that Ten Hag had lost three in a row. And it would also put their chances of uh, Champions League football in serious jeopardy, assuming that Liverpool uh, win um, at the same time this weekend's matches. um, I mean, it looked a bit of a lost cause for Liverpool, as if they'd left their chase too late. But thanks to Manchester United really falling off a cliff, uh, they look as if they've got a slight chance now. They've still played a game more and they've got one point less but they've got a, a huge advantage in uh, in the goals difference, 25 to eight. So that's not going to be changed. Um, so United really have got to steady themselves and just make sure they get the, enough points from the remaining games. As I say, they've got a game in hand and a point more. So it's really in their hands. But the way they've been playing, and in fairness, they have had a lot of injuries I think this has not really been mentioned too much, perhaps by United fans it has, but they they had been decimated. I mean, we forget about the likes of Garnacho, for example, Martinez, who were were out for the season weeks and weeks ago. They've been limping along without these guys and they've had the eternally injured Martial coming back, looking good in parts, as he always does, but then getting injured again. And, uh, you know, it's disrupted the team. We've also had De Gea making mistakes, which hasn't helped, making brilliant saves as well, I must say, to be fair to him. But he has had a few real howlers in recent weeks. So they've got to win this. You would say Wolves at home is about as easy as it gets because Wolves are safe. Wolves are on the beach. So if they don't win this, they've really got themselves to blame.
2: Hmm. Hey Gigi, let's talk defending for a moment and goalkeepers. Uh, how, how does it work when there's a goalkeeper? I don't know if, if, is there a sense amongst players that, Oh, actually this goalkeeper is becoming a bit suspect. And then, and then there's a fear that spreads through the entire team and you play differently.
4: It's, it'd be a difficult situation there because he's the longest serving player in the back six, you know? Um, it's, it is um, – you organically grow close even in the change room because you're playing alongside each other. You're communicating a lot on the field. So the keeper and the centre-backs will naturally hang out. They'll naturally eat together. So you start forming this bond, and he is someone who's the longest-standing, one of the, the longest-standing players in the whole team. And then when he's making mistakes like this, but the strange thing is, like you said, in the same game, he will pull off an absolutely incredible save. So do you start to think, is he low on confidence? Do you start to think, is it just this random blunder? But then the random blunder happens again. You know, it does it does affect and you start feeling fear, especially as a defender, because you start thinking that if you're not perfect and something leaks through, he might make a mistake. So I could definitely see how it's it would it 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 does affect. Especially with the season that they're having now, two back-to-back losses, and them being Liverpool being so close behind them, um, but i i would hate for i would hate for this story because of how good he has been usually to take over his good performance. So I hope that De Gea can start to scratch these mistakes, and Man United can keep playing like they were before because Ten Hag did an uh, has done. Sorry, not did. Has done a remarkable job. Also, so I you,
3: think the DDG problem is stems from the fact that this whole system of playing out from the back. We've spoken about this before. Yeah. He does not like the ball at his feet. He cannot play. He's not yeah, a ball. Yeah. He's not one of those goalkeepers that there's new age keepers that play from the sea, like Edison and all that stuff. So this compromises him to a certain level. You know, when the attacks comes back, he is a great shortstopper bar none. You know, if season after season, here yeah, like like Gigi said, he has kept United in the hunt. I think Tan Hag and I mean, most of the United board have appreciated that when they gave him the contract for the next, for the new, his new contracts based on that. So, yes, he did a Fowler and, you know, against uh, that uh, uh, West Ham, you know. So mm. he's great. But can I can I, I,
4: can I, can I ask you something? Because this was, the, uh, I get a lot of questions here also about Maguire.
3: Mm. When uh, he yeah,
4: was I when he was you. going, when he was going through that poor patch. Now, I am. Um, no way even close to the quality of these players but when i play every game and i find myself in a position that i'm being asked to do something that is technically maybe out of my scope i just do not do it because the risk is too high so and i i'm speaking obviously as a defender if i if i find myself in the corner and it's 2v1 against me i don't back my ability like varan or someone like that to, to play myself out so i stick to my my level. Now, do you think because of the badge, or maybe because of the coach, or maybe because of the fans, that sometimes I feel as though they're making a choice which is outside of their ability, mm. their their comfort zone. And I don't know who you blame. Do you blame the coach for trying to put them in that position or them in, in the end, they're the ones on the ball?
0: No, I,
3: I Again, you're right. Once it's out of their technical ability, you cannot start, you know, like you said, if you, again, you have two guys closing you down, you try, you, I also, as a, you know, would not try to play my ball out because I know my ability is not that and I will just play the safe option, right? You
4: know, that's mm. what you're trying yeah. to say. So
3: when when you start coaching that and drilling that into them, it, and when you know the opposition already knows your tactics and they start pressing you, this is where uh, mistakes happen.
1: Yeah, and, as a uh, member of the De Gea fan club, I have to say that, the worst thing that can happen to a goalkeeper is when the center backs keep changing. And that's what's sure. happened to uh, United this season. They haven't had a settled pair of center backs, I think almost from the kickoff. So one or the other, or even the reserve, has been injured. And even Luke Shaw has been pressed into service at centre-back. So he doesn't know who he's playing behind. It's sometimes Varane, Maguire, Martinez, Luke Shaw. I mean, and it's constantly changing, swapping and changing. And I think that may have affected him too.
2: Yeah. And of course, Gogolin plays, uh, his goalkeeper is Des Gorkil. So (laughs) uh, famously uh, light on his feet, uh, Des Gorkil. (laughs)
3: He's probably coughing blood now.
2: (laughs) So, uh, Gogland, we I, we kind of like running out of I mean running out of time, but I really want to talk about Villa, Tottenham, Hotspur. Now, I know that you've jinxed it by being on this show, <laughs> but um, Villa have have prior prior to your returning to the show shown great improvements. Do you think that uh, against a bizarre Tottenham, there's uh, something to be won here?
3: Uh, let me. I mean, I you know me. I've always been uh, downbeat about Villa and their prospects, especially after Steve, yeah. you know with Stephen G and all that. But I can say it's 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 fun to watch them play football now. You know and this is technically the same squad that uh, Emery took over from Steven Gerrard, one. and he has changed them from uh, relegation candidates to Europa League uh, European candidates. So this is a remarkable season. Wherever we end up, we can, you know, we will end up in the top half of the season for the first time in God knows how long. So I'm taking that as a win. And we you know we have signed Matthew Albany from Barcelona as sporting director, and you know he works with. Emery, he comes highly, highly recommended. You know, he had his pick of his football clubs in the continent and he came to Villa because of Unai Emery, right? And now we're looking at Marco Asensio. We're looking at players on the board. Yes, Europe I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Conference League because I look at it. You you play a, a number of games that really take a toll on you unless you have a huge squad, right? Look at where West Ham are in the league compared to where they are in the Europa Conference League. Yeah, you yeah, know, I've been, I went through that with uh, the Europa League when Martin O'Neill was there. We were finishing sixth all the time, and I'm telling you, flying to Budapest or wherever, Tashkent or whatever on a Thursday night, and coming back to the Premier League is a different story altogether. Unless you have a squad like Man City, that is uh, what's called optimism, folks. Uh, you heard from <laughs>
2: Gogland, the first time I've ever heard that. A, a GG Spurs this season? What question mark?
4: Man, what indeed um poor i have to tread lightly because i do have some friends there and i don't want to offend anybody but freaking heck i uh i don't know i don't know what to say um last season i thought conte had a good hold of things and i thought that it was a he was gonna work and everything was going to be better and then his signings and then it just like, it seemed like it snowballed so quickly. And then all of a sudden I've seen an interview everywhere of him cussing everybody out. Then he's going to leave. Then his assistant's going to stay. Now his assistant's has got, so a bit of a, can't say the profanity, but show. Um, and
2: you kind of did, but,
4: <laughs> <laughs> but um, Ryan Mason at the helm, uh, someone who is highly respected by all the players and a top top guy and a top top man manager, and I know he's obviously interim. I know he's not the long term plan, but I know I I definitely believe that he's someone who can hopefully keep the morale up in this last stretch, keep them in the top six, and but I'm just I I'm disappointed because I obviously also Italian and also. Uh, Spurs x I wanted the Conte story to be a little bit better and I'm I'm sad that uh, this season will go down and they'll replay that interview and that will be the story of the season him basically going ballistic.
2: Yeah. Okay, well, the 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 Spurs soap opera continues. Uh yeah. in a moment though we're going to wrap up the EPL's uh matches and have a quick look at KL City's season with uh, Gigi here on just for kicks on BFM 89.9
0: more football. When we come back just for kicks BFM 89.9 just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Welcome back
2: to part four of just for kicks with me, Bob Guglin and Gigi and now Bob Holmes. Um, it, uh, as we wrap up the matches coming up, Chelsea versus Nottingham forest, three points for forest.
1: <laughs> I'd like to think so. Um, it's hard to know uh, what to make of Chelsea. Um, still, even though they've uh, sort of broken their duck, uh, finally won won a game, uh, you could say that uh, that makes it easier for Forrest. or you could go the other way around and say, well, Chelsea, you know, they've now they've got that out of their system, and you know, they've got a free hit for the rest of the uh, the rest of the season. They're not going to get into Europe. They're not going to go down and they're just playing to to earn a contract because there's going to be a fire sale at the end of the um of the season so how that affects their performance I'm not too sure um but the motivation will be nothing like the motivation that Forest have, have got because they are literally fighting for their premier league lives and they have been playing actually reasonably well lately and they showed some uh, in attacking intent. They scored a couple of really good goals. So they have got it in them, but they've left it a bit late. So you don't know. Um, Chelsea it's away, was, though. It is away. It's away, and Forrest are pretty useless away. So the odds are very much stacked in Chelsea's favour, but I wouldn't rule it out at this stage of the season. I wouldn't rule out a, a, even a Forest win
2: uh, Googler, uh which, which team is more dis- dysfunctional this season, Chelsea
3: or Tottenham Hotspur? Oh, definitely Chelsea. You know, with the amount of players they've signed, the manager, uh, merry-go-round they've gone through. And I think back to what G is saying, I think Spurs have steadied the ship somewhat bit. You know, they should finish the season uh, steadily there. I do. Uh, Ryan Mason is doing a good job there. So yeah, I think that's done. And Chelsea are still finding their feet. You know, Frank Lappard, you know my views on Frank Lappard. Getting the job again, and with the, with the six hundred players they've signed over the January transfer window, this was like playing you know fantasy football on PS Five stuff. So yes, definitely, Chelsea are the story of the uh, the season for you know what they've how much they've spent and where they've ended up. They nearly got relegated. Let's put it this way. And uh, uh, Gigi, how do you?
4: I mean, yeah,
2: Chelsea question mark?
4: Yeah, I was actually hoping you were going to throw me this question because I. I think this game is Forest, Bob, and I don't just say that to fill you with optimism. I think that Chelsea, especially with the merry-go-round of the year, like Google said, and the amount of players that they have that are new, and now that they're safe, and they basically aren't really playing for much, I think Forrest is going to come out like most relegation teams should and do, going 150 miles an hour, and I don't think Chelsea are going to really match that. So I think this is a Forest win. And in reference to Chelsea's season and the big question mark, I'm I think I said it earlier in the in the episode about Forest originally, but it's it's so hard when you when you chop and change so much. It's so difficult. And I understand the pressures of the Premier League and then you add on top of the fact that Chelsea has a huge like legacy and has done so well in recent years but you you can't you can't expect that to get you can't just continuously throw money at the problem i don't think that works all the time you know and so it's been a bit of a profanity show again (laughs) um but um I think, I think it will come good, and I think that next season with a preseason of all the players t- together, and hopefully they don't chop and change too much, but, um, yeah, I just think that never works.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, Gigi, could you give the Forest team talk on Saturday?
4: Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll fly over just to make sure. I, I don't know. I, I,
1: Chris Cooper's doing a decent job. He
2: must be saying something good, at least at home anyway. I guess when he's away from home, he just seems to lose his voice. I don't know. Uh, so very quickly then, folks. Uh, Bob, uh, Leicester-Liverpool, who's going to win? Liverpool. Oh, okay. Uh, and Gogolin, Leeds-Newcastle.
3: Yeah, this is a really, really good game to be watching. You know, I think uh, Leeds at home are a different animal. They, they really need to start rousing. Big Sam's there. He knows what to do against mm-hmm. the big boys. But, you mm-hmm. know, Newcastle, I was watching that game the other day and they they are also, you know, they 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 look like you know, Eddie Howe at the helm. And with the money coming in for next season, I think they will be really challenging for them. So they, their Champions League spot is locked on, right? Or are they still... Uh...
1: Not mathematically, but almost.
3: Almost, right? Yeah. So this one will be a very tough one. I, I'm looking at a score draw,
2: though. All right. So uh, meanwhile, in the Malaysian game, uh, S, um, C Games, and Malaysia won 7-0 against Singapore. But uh, sadly, neither team got through. But I want to jump on though, since we have Gigi here. I want to find out about how how's the uh, Kale City season going. There's still time, I think, for Kale to win the league. Um, of course, there's that little issue of um, JDT, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I know you, I, you don't want to. I mean, they, they're the opposition. You can't be talking about them, but. They do seem to have something. What, what what is it?
4: First of all, thank you for throwing it over to our little league um, and uh, Johor, unfortunately and fortunately, because I look at it from two sides. you know as a, a big admirer of this country and the league and the growth, Johor is waving the flag in the Asian Champions League and they have incredible investment from the Sultan. And they get the best players and they challenge. So, you know, you're, you're, like I said before, you're waving the flag in the whole of Asia. And that's incredible. But unfortunately, when you're in the same league as them and their budget is maybe 10 times your budget, it's wow. starting to have the PSG feel. You know, every now and again, you get that David and Goliath story and someone manages to break through two years ago. We beat them in a cup, uh, last year, they completely dominated everything. And then this year, you know, you, you hope that one team can, but for the rest of the league, you're basically fighting for second down because they are just so dominant and rightly so. And I don't I hope that doesn't sound uh, petty mm. in any way. They for have sure. the best players and they be- play the best football. You know, in the end, you you get what you pay for and they have continuously invested. They have fantastic footballers and they deserve to be there. Um, but for the rest of us and the story of KL City, it's uh, trying to get as close as possible, trying to fight for a Champions League spot or an AFC spot um last year we had afc and that was one of the most remarkable stories for this club and so you know now that we've tasted that we want as much as we can that's the main motivator and like you know bob joked before and said do you want to do the team talk but most of the times i do do the team talk and Mm -hmm. that is my main motivational point is that we want to be we don't I, we understand that it might be out of the scope of reality to be saying that we're going to win the league but for every time we're close and we manage to get these competitions then the story and the flag of chaos City will be known in Thailand and Vietnam and China and South Korea and that is our motivation.
2: Uh, well last season you came on the show just before your, your final and we jinxed it for you. So basically, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> but um but personally are you having a good season? Except for uh, you know, I, a little red. Yeah.
4: Color? Yeah, except, except for a yeah, a little moment. Um no I'm I'm very, very, I'm very, very lucky. Um this team I've been here for three years and we have a coach who's a center back. Um and we've kept predominantly the same squad. So, um, you know, I've been a bit of a journeyman in my career. I've played in England, Wales, Italy, and Australia and chopping and changing. You know, i have seen managers change and change teams. And uh, especially when you're playing defense, that is difficult. Like Bob mentioned before with uh, De Gea, you know, you're changing your, you don't have former bond. And I've been really, really lucky that I've had three years of predominantly the same team. So, you know, if a center back changes, or if a center midfielder changes or a keeper changes, it's someone I have already been with, trained with, played with for three years. Um, So the last two years has been very, very good for the team and thankfully for me personally. And this third year seems to be going on the same trajectory. We've won the last four games. Our defensive record is in the top four, top five. Um, But like everybody knows the story of football, it's uh, ephemeral. So you get seven Mm -hmm. days to enjoy it and then, it's the next game. So right now we're four wins on the trot, uh, four clean sheets or three clean sheets. So we feel on top of the world. It only takes one game for that to change the mood. So fingers crossed.
2: Well, hopefully uh, Just for Kicks uh, has lost its, its jinx power. And uh,
4: Please, and please. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So uh, <laughs> that that brings us to the end of this week's show. And uh, I'd like to thank Gigi. Thank you so much and good luck.
4: Thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me and always a pleasure.
2: And uh thank you to the new improved, happy, optimistic uh <laughs> Cheers,
3: boys, and uh, good luck, Gigi.
4: Thank you very Thanks, much.
2: Man. And uh and good luck also to Bob Holmes, the desperately anxious Bob Holmes, yeah, and <laughs> who who may or may not survive
1: this season. I may not. Uh Saturday night is uh double jeopardy for me because Knotts County are playing in the final of the National League playoff hoping to uh, return to the football league. so And it's at the same time as the Forest-Chelsea game. So uh, I'll be uh, watching from behind two sofas, as usual, one for each (laughs) Nottingham club. Yeah.
2: You'll be experiencing exactly what uh, Gigi felt when Napoli won the Scudetto. Uh, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) with Notts County. So uh, that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much and join us next time on Just for Kicks here on BFM 89.9. The magic, the might, the majesty of Manchester City Champions 2022.
0: For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast